Amen, amen, amen. What an awesome time of worship we had. I just want to just give a shout out. Man, the worship team, you guys are awesome. It's obvious that you guys are prayed up. What a powerful time of worship we just had. And I'm just excited for what God has for us tonight. I just, I've been thinking about it all week. I'm just, guys, like Thursday nights are my favorite nights of the week, period. Eh. It just, <laughs> and period, uh, right? Like, I just love Thursdays. I love getting to hang out with you. Um, I love the new merch that we got. This is awesome. God's obviously doing something. Uh, for those of you that are new or you haven't been here in quite a bit, I just want to say welcome and then welcome back. I'm just, I'm just glad you're here. Uh, I'm glad that you could, you could have been anywhere else. Uh, but you came here, and I want you to know, um, I, I'm, just, I'm just stoked that you're here to hang out with us. We're in a series called God Understands, because I think a lot of us kind of go throughout life just wishing that somebody, somewhere, would understand us, right? Like, we all, you know, kind of go through phases. Listen, like, a lot of us that are, you know, older, I'm 29, that's not old, okay, I'll fight you, like, don't, don't play with me, but, uh, like, a lot of us that are in our late 20s, like, we look back, and we have all gone through phases, right, like fads, right, like, believe it or not, I had my own hair straightener, I would straighten my hair, like, super flat, and I wore studded belts and band t-shirts, and I was super emo, and I painted my nails, and all I wanted to do was just, like, sit in my room in the dark listening to Paramore. Like, that's all I wanted to do, right, back in the day, and I look at, like, I look at my time as a teenager, and I just remember, like, whenever I wanted to express myself artistically with whatever, you know, clothes I wanted to wear in that season of my life, I always had a conversation with my parents that ended up with me saying, you don't understand me. You don't understand. You're old. You're old. What do you know about fashion? These are Toms, okay? I know that these Toms will only last 10 days of wearing them, but I'm wearing them, right? Some of y'all... Who knows what times are? Yeah. You guys know that they almost never lasted. To write love on her arms, did you ever wear? <laughs> Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but it's okay. Right? I just, we just want to be understood, right? There's something really good about, like, chatting with somebody, like, talking to somebody, like, kicking with somebody, and, like, you just, like, you, like, there's a vibe, and, like, you just know that they understand you, right? Like, if your best friend is in the room, like, say, hey, best friend. Right, so I guess none of you are best friends. All right, like, like some of y'all best friends are in the room and y'all just click because you just understand each other, right? Y'all just understand each other. I want to encourage you tonight with, with this, the, 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 the title of the series, God Understands. The God who created the heavens and the earth, the planets, the trees, the water, the birds, the fish, all of that, that God. He understands you. He created you. He knew you even before you were born. God understands. And every week we've been looking at some of these emotions that we have. That sometimes in the heat of those moments, we feel like nobody understands us. The first week we talked about guilt, right? Has anybody ever felt guilty? Right? So glad we're not in the court of law, okay? Because your boy is guilty for a lot of things. I just need to get this on my chest. I stole a lollipop one time when I was a kid. And I thought I was going to hell for it. Um, I thought I was going to jail. I was like, I'm going to jail for this, you know, Tootsie Pop. It wasn't even the good flavor, right? What's the good flavor of Tootsie Pop? Trick, trick, trick question. It's the red one. No, it's not orange. Weirdo. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But, but we're talking about guilt, right? Some of us have carried guilt from the things that we've done in the past. And God wants us to exchange, make an exchange our guilt for his grace. Last week, we talked about doubt. We talked about, uh, and we brought Thomas, who was a disciple of Jesus, we brought a new light to his story where, the, where people have dubbed him Doubting Thomas. When in reality, like, that title belongs to you and I, right? I'm doubting Pastor Izzy, like, you're doubting Matthew, like, we're doubting everybody, right? You know what I'm saying? You feel me? You do. Like, and so, like, God wants to prove himself to us. 
God wants to show himself to us just like Jesus appeared to Thomas and how to deal, like we learn how to deal with doubt. Today I want to talk about something that uh, some of, some people are weird with, but I want to talk to you tonight with the title of my sermon, God Understands When We Are Afraid. You know, it's like spooky season, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, every, like there's spooky stuff everywhere. Uh, my wife's, Pastor Ariel's mom was in town, and we have this thing with her where, you know, when she sees, like, Halloween stuff or whatever, or, like, if something is just, like, not of God, she says, ooh, cancel. Sometimes you just got to, sometimes you just got to cancel culture the enemy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> sometimes you just got to cancel Satan, right? Ooh, cancel. Y'all can use that. We, be, we were driving down to uh, this, this Italian restaurant in Elmwood Park. And, and as we were driving, she saw a lot of spooky decorations. And we would just hear it in the back. I go, ooh, cancel. 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 Right? Like, in this season, like, some of y'all like to be scared. Like, haunted corn mazes. Right? Has anybody ever done that? No, you're like, if I ever go there, I will uppercut a crazy clown. I will uppercut a demon clown, right? Like some of us love scary movies, which that's a whole nother conversation. But some of us like to be scared. But I'm not talking about that kind of scared. I'm not talking about the scared that you get when like you're front row uh, at Raging Bull at Six Flags and you're like ready to vomit. You know, I'm not talking about that. Oh, yeah, that is a really good ride. I really love it. I'm talking about fear. Things like claustrophobia. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, you know what? Just cremate me because even, even though I'm dead, I still don't want to be in a small box, right? Just burn me up. Claustrophobia, right? What about, let's see what y'all, arachnophobia. Who knows what that is? Spiders. Who's afraid of spiders? You're afraid of spiders? That's okay. All the guys are like, yeah, me, bro. I don't play with nothing like that, bro. Spiders. Who's afraid of bugs? Just bugs in general? Yeah. Pastor Ariel is afraid of bugs, and it makes me feel really strong and like a man when she calls me and I kill that bug. You know what I'm saying? I feel strong. I'm like, yeah. She goes, thank you. And I'm like, you're welcome, right? Um, what, about, what about, let's see, acrophobia. Anybody know what that means? Fear of heights? Acrophobia? <laughs> Fear of acronyms. I actually spent some time looking up weird, not weird. Let me say this, all right? If you have a legitimate fear, all right, it's okay. We're not making fun of you, all right? It's just some of these are peculiar. Like some people are afraid of condiments. They are afraid of mustard and ketchup. It is true. People are afraid of ketchup. Or, <laughs> or like people are afraid of like little tiny animals that like that are super cute. You're like, how are you afraid? This is Pastor Ariel's. I'm afraid of Pastor Ariel's hair that I find on my shirt. Right? We all have, and I'm just gonna leave it there at the altar. Amen. Sacrifice. Like a lot of us deal with some of these fears. How about this? I'll be transparent. I'm gonna be honest with you. All right. All right. I'm an open book. All right. I used to be afraid. I scared of elevators. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I literally, what was it? Like the, uh, what, what's the, the Tower of Terror? You know what I'm saying? And like the, the elevator ride? Oh, when I was a kid, like just the thought. I literally was like, if I get trapped in an elevator, I'm going to just die. I'm, not, I'm literally, the second I realize that I'm trapped, I'm just going to, I'm going to fall out. I'm going to die. As a kid, you couldn't get me on an elevator. And it went <laughs> low-key. It went all the way through high school. I was in New York City. I was in Manhattan, right? And I was a few blocks away from Madison Square Garden. We've got an 18-floor hotel room. I was there for a choir concert. Shout out to my choir kids. Yeah. And, and our room was on the 12th floor. And there were two elevators in this tiny little hotel squished, right, basically in the heart of New York City. And only one of them worked, right? I'm like, no, no. They're like, let's go, Izzy, we got to go. No, I'm good. What are you going to do? I'm going to take the stairs, right? They're like, you can't, we got to go. They dragged me onto that elevator. And I was trying to play it cool because there was a girl that I liked there, you know what I'm saying? But every time, like, she would look at me, I'd be like, huh. when she looked away, I was like, oh my God, oh, no, I'm good, I'm good. You good? Yeah? All right, cool. I was counting on seconds. Anybody else? We all get, we all got weird 
or not weird, but we've all got fears. We're all afraid of something. I want to talk about God understanding when we're afraid. Like these phobias, they're real. Let's take a look at Scripture and learn how we can tackle these fears by looking at one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I want everybody to pull your phone, your Bible out, pull something out to write with because God's word is good stuff. And when God speaks, I think we should write that down. Amen? But let me pray for us. God, this is your word, not mine. And I didn't write it. You did. And so, God, I pray that tonight you would help me uh, communicate the way you intended this to be communicated, God. I pray, Father, that we would learn uh, these four ways to tackle fear and how you're beside us, how you're with us, how you fight our battles for us, God. Speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a look at my favorite character in the Bible. His name is David. If you don't know who David is, he's probably one of the most famous under Jesus. I'm just going to say that. Like Everybody kind of knows David, mostly because of a certain story of David and yeah, like even in sports, right? Even like like sportscasters like to say like the underdog story, the David and Goliath story, like the the no seed college beating the number one seed. Like they talk about David and Goliath. And so I want to talk about this specific story and how David tackles fear. Because David is a bad dude. David had emotions just like me and you. Right? He wasn't like some kind of emotionless robotic superhero that was just lit all the time. That was super strong. No, he had emotions and he had fears just like us. And, and I can relate to him the most. Look at what he says in Psalm 55. This, this verse right here is during a rebellion while he's king. Right? Like this is an intense moment where like there's a, rebe- there's a civil war breaking out. And he says one of the most relatable things. Let's read it. It says, Psalm 55, verse 4 through 6 in the ESV. It says, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me. And horror overwhelms me. Like, obviously, if you can tell right now, he's going through a lot. You know what I'm saying? Verse 6. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Overwhelmed by his fear, he just wanted to fly away and leave it all behind. Has anybody ever felt that way? Like you just listen, God, if, if, I, if you could just help me grow wings real quick so I could just dip up out of this situation, that would be really good. He's terrified. He's terrified of this moment. Everyone deals with fear. Everyone, but not everyone knows how to conquer it. David understood fear, and as a young shepherd boy, he would have had to face lions and bears and wolves who would try to eat his sheep. And as a young man, David knew the fear of battle and jealousy, seeing how his king chased him and threatened his life so much that he had to hide in caves. So as a young boy, his fear was like, listen, there are predators trying to not just eat my sheep, but me. That's a big deal, right? When was the last time you killed a lion? When was the last time you did that? Yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, I knew you could say that. Right? Can you imagine? Right? Like, for David, he started killing these things so often that it was just another Tuesday for him. David, how was, how was work? Uh, you know, I got a few, you know, lions and bears, but, you know, the use. Like, that's the use. You need a new profession, right? I'm trying to be a dishwasher. I'm not trying to be out there. As a, as a young man... Serving under his king, he knew what fear looked like because uh, his king was threatening his life. His king was actually throwing spears at him. You ever had a spear thrown at you? Yeah, I mean, in the form of a punch, right? You box, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you got that, that bob and weave, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, David was like that. David was bobbing and weaving spears all day. Like, that's fear. He was so afraid for his life. That he ran into the wilderness and he hid in caves. Fast forward, David is the king now. He is king. And now he is afraid for his life because of a rebellion. And some say this uh, chapter, uh, Psalm 55, is because of his son who was rebelling against him. His kid, 
right? This is crazy. This is nuts. This is a fearful moment. What we can take away from David and conquering fear can be found in one of the most memorable moments for him. And that is David and Goliath. So turn with me to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. If you got it, say, you're. If you don't got it yet, say, uh-huh. Okay, I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for you. Because I, I think it's important to read God's word. And if you don't have a Bible, meet us at the end of service over there. I want to get you a Bible. So in this moment, let me give you some context. In this moment, right, like, like the people of Israel is at war. Right? War is broken out. And David is one of eight siblings. Three of the oldest are at war, right? Like, so they're in battle. And so his dad, Jesse, what's up, Jesse, was like, David, go and bring this food to your brothers. So David, like, goes over. He's seeing what's happening. And for the past 40 days, right, Goliath has stood against the army and has hurled profanity, curses, blaspheme towards the people, and towards God. That's a long time. That's like somebody coming to your crib and then just cussing you out for 40 days. Would you like that? No. She's like, let me get a rock, right, and a slingshot. I'm going to knock him out, right? Yeah, Roxana would do it too. I know she would, right? So 40 days. This is crazy. David overhears this fool talking crazy, right? He's like, what he say? What you say? He's like, I'm going to do something about this. So fast forward to where we are now. David is starting to get ready to confront Goliath. And in this story, we see four ways. Everybody say four. Everybody say four. Four ways to tackle fear. You guys ready for this? Number one. Number one. Identify the fear slash know what it is. It's the first step with tackling fear. Let's read 1 Samuel 17, verse 4 through 7. It says, And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. That's a lot of bronze, right? The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield bearer went before him. Pause for a second. That's a lot. So some scholars believe that... Uh, in some interpretations, Goliath was like six foot something. In other translations, they say Goliath was actually like nine feet. Nine feet. Like, that's, that guy could dunk without jumping. It's like, pass me the ball. Right? It's one of those. This is a big dude. A, a lot of this is just kind of telling you how much stuff weighed. 300-something pounds, 150 pounds. It's, it's a lot of heavy weight. Like, why is the Bible telling us that? Well, I, I truly believe we need to know what we're up against. I truly believe we need to know what we're afraid of. I think avoiding fear doesn't really help anything because fear is always going to be there. Matter of fact, fear stood against these people for 40 days in the shape of this nine foot six, six or nine foot giant, depending on who you want to believe. From this text, we see David knew what he was up against. He knew. People, somebody did the math and said, hey, this is what you're up against. How tall Goliath was and what he was equipped with. A lot of us think that the things we're afraid of will go away if we just don't pay attention to it. But that's just not true. It will be there for 40 days, for 40 minutes, for 40 years. For 40 seconds. It's there. It's in your face. Identifying what you are afraid of is important because it allows us to bring it to light. Expose your fear. Expose your fear. Bring it to the light and let God deal with it. So the first, identify the fear. What are you afraid of? What is it that keeps you up at night? What are you afraid of? And then bring it to the light. Say, God, this is it. I'm afraid of blank. God, I'm afraid of elevators, right? I'm afraid of this. 
You bring it to the light. You're saying, this is you saying, God, this is what I'm afraid of. I need your help. Number two, trust God. Acknowledge past victories. Trust God. Acknowledge past victories. Look at 1 Samuel 17. This is 34 through 37 now. Just scroll just a little bit down. It says, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught it by his beard and struck him and killed him. He just put a lion or a bear in a headlock. Okay, that's crazy. This is awesome. I love this. He says in 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, watch this. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord will be with you. Trust in God. Acknowledge past victories. David wasn't being cocky here. Right, because some people can read this and be like, hey, David, chill. You don't got to flex. He's not flexing. He's not like being cocky. He's not being overconfident. Like he's laying out his resume. So what's happened here is like, you know what, Saul, I'm going to go. Because there's an army right here and nobody has volunteered. And the way he's talking about God, I'm just not going to stand for. I'm just not going to stand for. So I'll go. Let me go. So I was like, hey, man, I don't know, like, are you qualified to do that? He goes, listen, I've, I've got a resume of dead carcasses behind me. I've killed lions, bears, all of that. So he's telling him, hey, listen, this is what I've done. But it's not just his resume, but it's God's resume. He says, the Lord delivered me. He says, the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. And the way that he's delivered me from that, he'll deliver me from this Philistine. But think about this. Think about this moment. Had David not faced his fears then, he wouldn't have been able to face his fear now. What I'm saying is when obstacles of fear get in the way, stand your ground. Protect the flock. Protect your heart, your mind, your soul. What would have happened had David ran? Think about that. You're like, awesome. David's like a stone-cold killer. He could kill really big animals. Yeah, but think about what if he didn't? What if he didn't? What if he ran in some of those situations? He would have never built up the confidence and the mental fortitude to face Goliath in this, mo in this moment. So what am I saying? Don't run from the battle. Don't run from the fear. Don't run from the fight. Face it head on and watch God pull through. I love what we see in Romans 8.31. It says, if God is for us, then who could be against us? Who could be against us? What fear is bigger than God? What fear can stand against us? And the answer is none. Number three, look at this. Watch this. Focus on what God can do, not the fear. Focus on what God can do. I love this. Look at verse 44 in Samuel 17 says, the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. He's talking smack now. Watch this. Then David replied to him. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and with spear and with javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He's getting a little spicy. I like that. This day, everybody say this day to the day. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Yeah! And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. This exchange is hardcore. This isn't like, hey, Mr. Goliath, apparently you've been here for a long time, so apparently I'm out here to tell you to stop, right? This isn't that. 
apparently, right? Like, Goliath is like, y'all ain't nothing. I'm going to kill all y'all and let the birds eat. He's like, and David's response was, yeah, well, I'm going to cut your head off. It's like, well, this is crazy. This exchange is awesome. David is not backing down. He's like, you come at me with all the stuff you can. But listen, at the end of the day, the birds are going to be eating off of your dead body, right? Like, by the way, if you have a bully problem, just say that. No, I'm just joking. Don't, do not tell your bully that birds are going to feast on his dead body, right? Or at least don't tell them that your youth pastor said to say that, right? He said, <laughs> that's funny. Please don't, for real. That's crazy. That's weird. And don't, number one rule of XL, don't be weird, right? He says, he says, this day the Lord will deliver you. Today. David's focus was on what God could do. This God confidence can only come when we are God focused. You want God confidence? Be God focused. It's so easy for us to look at this big old giant. Because it's the biggest thing. Fear likes to do that. Fear likes to be the biggest things in front of us. Right? And so what I'm, what I'm calling you tonight and what I'm encouraging with you tonight, listen, your fear is big. But God is bigger. It's that VeggieTales song, right? God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. Listen, when I heard that song for the first time, it was a bop and I got saved. It was amazing. Reverend Larry is my favorite speaker of all time. God is bigger. He's bigger. He's bigger than your fear. He's bigger than what you're afraid of. You want God confidence. Be God focused. Be God focused. And my last point says this, face your fear and watch God give you the victory. Watch him do it. Face your fear and watch God give you the victory. Look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 48 through 50. It says, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. Pause for a second. The talking's over now. Right? This isn't that high school lunchroom fight where dudes, all they want to do is bark and like rub each other's chest by doing this, you know what I'm saying? And then not end up doing anything and wait for the dean to break it up. Wait for Primo to break it up. Right? You know what I'm saying? Have you broken up a fight at Lakeview? Yeah, yeah, plenty. Right? Most of the time, some of these dudes, all they're doing is just barking and bumping chest. Right? Like the talking is over in this minute. Right? Like no more talking. I'm done. Right? It's time to fight. I'm over it. It's time to throw hands. So here's what's happening. David's, uh, David and Goliath, they're over it. They're looking at each other and say, listen, no more talking. Let's get, it, let's get cracking. Let's get it done. So he says, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, what did David do? He's such a gangster. I love this. Watch this. Are you listening? Because this is lit. David ran quickly. David ran quickly toward the battle to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. I like that they don't even keep calling him Goliath. They keep calling him the Philistine. They're like, you're not even worthy of writing your name down a few times. I like that. Thank you, writer. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. Headshot. Without owl. 360 no scope. <laughs> he hit it. All my guys are like, Yeah. Girls, that was a video game uh, uh, reference. If you didn't, if you did not know, let me enter. <laughs> Julia Booth, I'm gonna throw a rock at you, right? So he hits a 360 no scope. He is running full steam ahead at Goliath. He's like, I'm going. This is go time. And as he's doing it, he's reaching in his bag. He picks out a stone. He gets his sling. He winds it up. And he's cranking it. Just, and he lets it go. Splat out right in Goliath's forehead. And do you know how, like, I've been hit with a rock. I don't know about y'all, but I've actually been hit with a rock. And, you know, rocks kind of just like, you know, they just fall down. Right? Do you know how fast? And how hard you have to sling a stone for that thing not to ricochet off your forehead but sink in? Right, right. Like, like some of y'all be like, yeah, I've stuck a rock up my nose. No, I'm not talking about that, right? I'm saying like a rock 
was in his head, right? Like in it. And he's like, hmm. And he falls to face down to the ground. He probably broke his nose, but it doesn't matter because he's dead, right? Right? So look at verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Pause for a second. Remember David when he was talking smack, right? He was like, listen, I'm, I'm going to cut your head off. And I, I remember reading this. I'm like, David, I don't know if you know this. I'm not a shepherd or anything, but you don't have a sword. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like guys that, you know, like, you know, they're talking all this smack, and they claim that they got something in the trunk. You ain't got nothing in the trunk. Don't pop the trunk. You ain't got nothing in there. You got dirty socks and gym shoes in there, right? That's what you got in there. And, and coolant, right? <laughs> Relax, right? <laughs> right? Like, he's like, he's like, if I'm David's boy, I'm like, David, you don't got a sword, though. He's like, no, I'm going to cut your head off. So I love this because David's true to his word. Like, he's like, like I'm not, I'm not going to cap you. I'm not going to lie right now. Like, I told you I was going to cut off your head. So, like, by the way, he's already dead. I'm just saying this. Kind of weird, but David, do you, right? Verse 51, then David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it overkill right when the philistines saw that their champion was dead they fled they dipped out this is amazing i want to go back to this moment i learned i kind of learned a little bit about this when when i was at basic training for those of you who don't know i'm i'm currently still in the national guard i am a united states soldier i am part of the engineer corps i love it thank you right i'm i love it and in, the, in our training, they teach us this. They're like, meet it head on. Like, you can't be afraid because there are people relying. If you freeze, then your buddy's dead. Like, you need to be fearless. You are a warrior. You go. If you hear something going down, you're headed towards it. And so I kind of relate to David here in this moment. He says, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. What the enemy loves to do is he loves to make us feel like it's up to us. He loves it. He knows at some point we've got to face our fear. It's inevitable. But, but the issue really is, it's not, it's not whether or not we're going to face our fear, but the issue is he wants you to feel alone when doing it. I wonder, I wonder what would have happened if David would have stopped to realize he was by himself. Right? But over and over in Scripture and over and over in 1 Samuel 17, you see something repetitive. Like what would make David run towards him? Right? What's the, what's the God confidence and the God focus that I'm talking about? What would make David run? It was his belief that God was 100% with him. You are not alone tonight. God is with you. I love it. The Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Meaning he will never dip out on you. He'll never abandon you. He'll never leave you out to dry. He will never make plans and not show up. That's God. When he says, meet me at 8 at Absento, you're going to meet at 8 at Absento. God will be there probably early with your, with your cold Nutella drink right there. If you didn't know, shout out to Absento. I do love it. Nutella is my favorite drink. God is with you. Say he's with me. Always. I love it. Even Jesus says, the Bible says, uh, and Jesus said, and behold, I will be with you even until the end of time. That's God. Hey, he's with you. You can face your fears because God is with you. And listen, reality check for us for a second. Nothing scares him. <laughs> Nothing scares God. I laugh because I'm like, things scare me. And so to think that there's somebody out there that protects me, that nothing scares him. Tonight, Pastor Jason, if you don't mind, just him. Tonight, many of you in the room, as we've gone through kind of the story, as we've been talking about fear, your fear, a fear that you kind of have, has flashed in your mind at some point. Right? Whether it's spiders, Afraid of the dark, elevators, or maybe for some of you, maybe it's not 
ketchup and mustard. Maybe, maybe it's not soap. If you're afraid of soap, please use it. <laughs> some of you, so, listen, when y'all get to breakaway, y'all get to camp, you'll see some kids are afraid of soap. And they are madly in love with uh, Axe Body Spray or Bod. <laughs> maybe it's not those things. Maybe for you, your fear is failure. Maybe for you, your fear is being a disappointment. Maybe your fear is being abandoned again. Maybe you have a fear of inadequacy. You have a fear of not measuring up. You have a fear and an insecurity that you're, you're the second best pick. You'll never be the first pick and it frightens you to ever think that somebody could ever make you number one because you yourself don't believe it. Maybe those fears tonight are in you, not really around you. I think a lot of us deal with some of those fears I just mentioned. Rewind to, as I close, rewind to March, March 2021. I was at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and I was in yellow phase, the two-week phase at basic training where uh, they teach you how to march. They teach you all these little minor things. And the entire time, they're not allowed to discipline us. I don't know why. <laughs> it was to scare us. Two weeks, if we ever messed up or copped an attitude or whatever, they wouldn't punish us because they're like, they would say, oh, just wait till red phase. Wait till red phase. In the Army, basic training is yellow, red, white, and blue phase. Go America, right? And they say it's called day zero. So I'd already been there for two weeks. We're in a uniform, drilling in the left phase, right? Yeah, doing all that. And every time you messed up, they'd be like, ooh, just wait till day zero. I'm going to mess you up. They would say stuff like that all the time. And I was starting to, like, get scared. I'm a grown man. I've been through some things. I've almost died several times. And I was terrified. The way they were talking, what was I really afraid of? I was afraid of failing. I was afraid of failing. Why was I afraid of failing? Because I left, I left a full-time job, a career that I spent 12 years working at. I left everything behind. I left my wife behind because God told me to be there. And now I'm here and now they're saying that if I don't measure up to this moment, you're gone. And I'm like, I'm not 18. I'm 29. I can't keep up with these kids. And, they, and, and every day and every night, they would instill this fear. And it felt like Goliath saying these things at us, right? Every day, they're saying they're going to destroy us. We're going to pay for it. I remember it was Sunday, and I got a 30-minute phone call to call somebody. So I called my beautiful wife, Ariel. And this is probably one of the first times she has ever ever seen me or heard me scared, terrified. She called, she answered the phone when she was at church, and I'm crying. <laughs> You're like, dang, really? I was so afraid, guys. I was so afraid of failing. I, I was, I, my fear of inadequacy, my, my, my fear of failing, it was just creeping up inside of me. It was overwhelming me. And Pastor Ariel prayed over me. And she looked at me, and she, I would say she looked at me, she said it on the phone. She said, she said, I believe you can do anything. And I'm like, thank you. I hope so. And she prays for me and declares like God's victory in my life. I felt a confidence and a peace. What she did was she, she took my focus off of my fear and gave me God focused so I can have God confidence. I went to bed that night and said, God, if my wife says you're with me, then I know you're with me because she's not a liar. She's too sweet for that. I went to bed that night. I, I had the best sleep in the month prior that I was there. The best sleep. That morning, 
at 04 a.m. At 4 a.m., I woke up to sirens. A whole trash can was thrown at my bed while a drill sergeant was in my face screaming at me. And the entire time, they were destroying us all morning. I had a smile on my face, and I giggled because I was doing it. I was like, I'm doing it. I'm facing my fear. And I noticed that God was with me. He was strengthening me. He was giving me his peace and his confidence. And so what I'm here to tell you tonight is nothing scares him. And if nothing scares him, then nothing scares me. Because if my God is for me, then who can be against me? And if God is for you, then who can stand against you? Who? Who? Nothing. Nothing can stand against you. God's on your side. That fear that's creeping up inside of you, even now, that likes to make himself big, that fear that loves to make himself big, is not bigger than God. It's not bigger than God. Nothing scares him, and if nothing scares him, then nothing scares me. And this isn't a false confidence. This is a God confidence. I know that God is with me, and I know that he's with you. With every head bowed and eyes closed tonight, I quoted it just a second ago. What it says in Psalms 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Fear often makes us want to run and hide, but God wants us to learn to have confidence in him. As we begin to face these fears and learn to overcome them, we will develop a greater trust in God and his power. God wants our total confidence, even through our phobias. Just as David said in Psalm 56, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? With your heads bowed, I want to read 2 Timothy 2. It says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God has given you power, not fear. That fear is not a part of you. That fear is not your identity. And that fear is not your future. And in the name of Jesus, that fear is not your present. And so if you're here tonight, and you say, hey, I deal with fear. I'm constantly anxious. I'm constantly afraid. I fear a lot, whether it's, it's those inward fears or those outward fears that you're dealing with. If that's you, and tonight you want to stand and tackle that fear and face it head on, and you want me to pray for you about this, that's you. Would you be confident in this moment? Would you be God-focused in this moment? And just lift your hand. You say, hey, that's me. I deal with fear. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands. I see hands going up all over the place. You know what that tells me? You're not alone. You're not alone. Once you put your hand up, you can put it back down. Lord, you see every hand that was raised. And God, it takes courage and boldness to do what David did and that's face a really big fear and tonight God I pray that every student that has lifted their hands would in this moment take a stand against it as they focus on you as they build their confidences in you as they remember all that you've done for them God if you've done it then you'll do it now God and I pray that you would continue to grow them and challenge them and encourage them, God, and show them that you'll never fail, that you'll never leave them, that there's nothing to be afraid of. Because time and time and time again, all throughout Scripture, a command that you give us is do not be afraid. And so, God, we take that tonight. And we preach it to ourselves. We, we say those things to our souls, to our minds, to our hearts. And we say to ourselves, do not be afraid. God is with me. God is for me. God will fight for me. Tonight, God, I pray that students would take the steps towards 
their fear and watch you win the battle for them. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as we continue in this moment, I just want to give someone the opportunity in this room. I don't think we should fear really anything. But as a pastor, one of my biggest fears is that I would create a space for students to come and hang out, but not leave changed and not leave saved. There's a real place called hell and there's a real place called heaven. And there was a man named Jesus, the son of God, who lived a perfect life, who did three years of ministry with 12 of his best friends, was betrayed by one of them and died on the cross for our sins. The mistakes that you and I make on a daily basis. He carried the weight of sin. What sin? It's. It's the choices that we make that ultimately lead to separation from God. That ultimately lead us to a place that was never meant for us, and that is hell. But Jesus, the perfect spotless lamb, he died on the cross for you and I. And I love that the gospel doesn't end there. It starts there. Three days later, Jesus was resurrected from the grave. And I stand here tonight before you and I can confidently say Jesus is alive. He is alive. And you see throughout the Gospels, you see when he reveals himself to his disciples. He is alive. The Bible says this. If you were to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That Christ died and rose again. Because of this, you would be saved. That's it. He's not asking you to be, to be perfect right now. He's not asking you to have it all together. He's not asking you for money. He's not asking you for your time. He's just asking you for your heart. He's saying, listen, I came to save you. And this gift of grace and mercy that was found on a cross and in an empty tomb, it's a gift. And tonight, God is offering you that gift. He is saying, if you don't have a relationship with me, I would love to have one with you. You're like, I don't believe in God. Well, God believes in you. Well, I don't love God, but, but God's saying, I love you. God loves you. He loves everything about you. He wants to help you in this life. He didn't drop you off here on planet Earth and said good luck. He wants to hold your hand. Through this life, he wants to hold you. And so, if you're here tonight and you don't personally have a relationship with Jesus, I would like to offer that invitation just with you, me, and God in this moment. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand and put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to call you out. I just want to give you this opportunity. If you would like to know more about having a relationship with Jesus and changing your life, one, God loves you, everything about you. Two, Jesus died for you. You were on his mind when he was on the cross. Three, he's resurrected. If that's you and you want a relationship with Jesus for the very first time, you just slip up your hand with nobody looking around. And you can put it right back down. I'll wait. If there's anybody. If there's anybody. There's nothing you can do to earn this love. It was just freely given to you. Just a few more moments. Maybe you're in this place and you and God haven't been cool for a while. You, you, you once were... In a relationship with God, you, you once you know, prayed a lot, you worshiped often, you and him were on a talking basis, and now it's been a while, and you feel like you're different again, and you feel like things are kind of going out of whack, and you just know that, man, I think I, I, think I need to rekindle my faith and rekindle my, my walk with God. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. Do it now. You're like, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. 
Awesome. I see that hand. I see that hand. Here's what we're going to do. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Can I get my leaders up in the front? Go ahead. Stretch a little bit as we close. This is probably my favorite part of the night. I love this part because it's easy for for you guys to think that, of course, I would say these things because I'm a pastor. I went to school for this. You know, it's my job. These guys, they don't get paid to be here. These guys are here because they once sat in your seat. They once sat over there as a student, and they listened week in and week out of God's love, and they made that decision to follow Jesus, and their lives are better for it. Last week, Thomas wanted proof. (laughs) What's the proof? Standing right in front of you. If you've got fears that kind of flood your thoughts and they overwhelm you, these guys, they want to pray with you about it. They want to talk to you about it. They want to know what's going on in your life, and so Don't leave here without connecting with one of these guys up here. If you need prayer, if you need someone to just give you a hug, Primo's got you. If you need somebody to pray down heaven, they all got you. If you want somebody to just listen to you for a second, you know, like maybe you don't feel listened to, they got you. We got you. We love you. And so I just want to always open up the altars for you guys. If you made a decision tonight to follow Jesus or to be reconnected with Jesus, can I encourage you as we dismiss, I just want to meet you over there. And if you don't have a Bible, I want to meet you over there so we can give you one. These people want to pray for you. They just want to love on you. They all have got fears. And I'm pretty sure the majority of them or all of them have conquered a fear or two in their life. Maybe they can help you out with yours because God has helped them out with theirs. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for your word, that it's alive, that it's moving, that it's you. you, It's your heart. It's your voice that speaks to us. Lord, you didn't give us a spirit of fear. It's not a part of you. It's not a part of us. So if it's not you, God, we don't want it. We want what you said we could have it in place of it. Power, love, self-control. So God, Let it be so. I pray those things and declare those things over every individual in this room. Power, love, and self-control as they face their fears, as they watch you do what you do best, and that's win. We love you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen. Give it up for God. One time for the one time. Hey. Thank you guys so much for coming out to Excel. We've still got some merch out in the foyer area. Listen, don't forget to sign up for Momentum, right? So don't just scan the QR code. Get the email. Click the link. If you have questions about Momentum, come and talk to these leaders right now. Also, don't forget to register for Family Night. It'll go live tomorrow. See you guys. God bless.